Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. And welcome back to The Dominator, everybody. I'm your host, Billy Musio, and today with me, I'm joined by a special guest, James Bremacombe. You know him as Eagles Inside the Best Ball Streets. He is a contributor for Football Guys. He has his own site at bestballrankings.com. He is a multiple underdog finalist in multiple best ball contests. You cannot join a underdog best ball draft without seeing him in the streets. And over at the Football Guys site, they just released a best ball guide that's over 60 pages, and he just contributed to 20% or more of this project. Welcome to the podcast, James. Always a pleasure to have you on and to, to, to tap into that best ball mind. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a while since I've been doing these podcasts again, so it's, it's nice to share some thoughts, and hopefully it's, uh, it's valuable to somebody out there. Get you, get you back in the swing of things here. Well. I'd love to talk best ball. We're in that time of year, right? We're in that lull between the NFL draft around the corner. Um, people are, are still looking for their fix and get their drafts in. There's a little too early for a lot of folks for season long. So what do we do? We attack the best ball street. So um, love to get your insights on this, having multiple multiple leagues that you have finished inside the finals at underdog. Um, first of all, that's a great achievement. For those of you who don't know, it is very hard to get to the finals in any contest in underdog. Um, and James here is, has done it pretty consistently. So let's talk about structure. Let's talk about best ball structure. What is your initial thought on best ball structure and kind of the do's and don'ts in, in your opinion? Um, yeah, there's, there's so many ins and outs of it. Right. So, um, for, for one, I, I, right now they have the super flex out there on underdog. Um, I kind of more prefer like the standard, um, and I draft such a high volume. So I get, it's almost automatic for me. Like I could enter three or four at a time and I kind of know where, where players are going to go, where they're going to land, what kind of stacks I could get, who's going to fall to me kind of, you almost, you can predict like the draft as it goes. So that plays a big part of, of, uh, how I, how I attack these. Um, then structure is just, um, I mean, you got the roster structure where, where 
you you only start so in best ball you only start so many players each week kind of does it for you but these tournaments are so they're they're top heavy and it's almost like four contests in one where you have first 12 weeks and or 14 weeks and then you go week 15 16 and 17 they're separate so i'm thinking a lot about that kind of stuff um i used to not think about that as much so i used to be more hey i just want all these guys just to get me to advance and give me a chance um but now i've kind of like evolved uh gradually so i've been doing best ball for like six years so it's it's been something i've had to learn each year each year i'm learning new things uh i love listening to the whole community like there's best ball community just growing massively um people have their strong opinions strong takes uh how they think you can beat a game um but that that's the beauty of best ball i don't think they're it, it's solved and i don't think it will be solved for at least a couple of years so I'm going to keep firing all, all off season here um, once again. And I think we're all on level, level grounds. So that's what I'm excited about. Um, structure. Yeah. You just want to, you want to find what works for you. Uh, if you, if you're new to best ball draft, like five, 10 teams, um, and then kind of go back and analyze what you've done there and what the other drafters have done. Um, and then kind of work out a plan from there. Um, how you want to attack your season. So yeah, just, just basic stuff, to be honest. So you mentioned, you know, looking at pass through and trying to get to the next phase of the tournament. And you mentioned weeks 15, 16, 17, there's a lot of experts out there in particular, Justin Herzig, um, who really kind of beats the drum for week 17 correlation. You know, where does this fall in line with your structure and does it change your thought process at all? Do you, do you draft for week 17 correlation in particular, or do you, do you typically look at more weeks, you know, like you said, the earlier part of the tournament, and then maybe partly in weeks 15, partly week 16, or are you trying to stack to the max in week 17? Uh, to be honest, that was, that was the whole gig last year, right? Everyone's week 17, week 17. People had to memorize. They knew the matchups, everything. And I kind of steered clear of that. Like, I didn't – that wasn't my goal. That wasn't um, – Obviously, you want your goal to be, hey, I want to win the $2 million or whatever. Uh, see, I go into it more like, hey, I have a personal goal. I want to put this amount of money in and I want to get an ROI of like 50000 like or, or whatever number it is. And that's kind of how I stuck to it. And I, there's different ways to accomplish that for me than typically, hey, I'm all in, all or nothing, $2 million. Like, to beat a half a million people to win that prize is kind of ridiculous. So I week 17 was not on my radar as much. Um, I try to incorporate it a lot. I think, I think if you're just a stacker, if you stack quarterbacks with uh, players on their team, that's already giving you week 17. So you don't even have to think about that. Uh, and I think where we're saying there's four different aspects of this tournament, you break it up in fours almost where I think you would rather week 15 to 17 combined. If you wanted to go deeper, I would look at those, those three weeks and kind of look for a strength of schedule or kind of look at the matchups. Maybe there's teams that have more home games or dome games or whatever. Um, but I think I would combine those weeks to be honest and not, and, and I get why the week 17 things, a thing, um, and I'm going to try to get better at it this year, but 
it wasn't a big part of my game last year. And I think this year, probably maybe like 10% more. I'll look at it, but yeah, I'm not going to go all in on it. You, you mentioned Superflex earlier. Let's briefly talk about Superflex. I know it's not your bread and butter or maybe your, your favorite to play in, but I assume you still play in some. Um, mm-hmm. Do you like to go early quarterback inside Superflex? Do you need a top-tier guy in your opinion? And if you miss out on a top-tier guy, do you chase it or do you push it? What's your strategy here in Superflex in these best ball streets? Yeah, so Superflex, I think it's an awesome uh, concept and, and, and a fun tournament and and the whole strategy changes. But the reason that it's hard for me is because I get so used to locked in on the traditional leagues and the ADP and everything, and my mind's already adapted to that. And then you just throw out Superflex League to me. I didn't do well on them last year, um, but this year I'm going to keep trying them. I'm going to try new strategies. And yeah, honestly, I, I think I've done 20 of the fast drafts and I just uh, I just entered 130 of the slow ones. <laughs> so I don't know my strategy yet, but I'm just playing around with it. Half the teams I am going, I'm starting off uh, first four rounds with like three QBs or sometimes and other ones I'll just take uh, Hertz or Allen and, and then I wait until and I take like you know, Bryce Young or Kenny Pickett and like two of those guys to pair with them. So I, I don't know. I don't know what, what what's the best way to attack it and to beat it. Um, but I know, I think there's roughly about 20 QBs that I, that I believe in and feel like starts week one could finish the whole season. So I'm focusing more on those. I'm not focusing on like the Falcons guys or commanders guys and qb situations that are just hard to predict so i'm I'm not taking late shots on those guys and maybe i should so I, i've seen a lot of people do that as well so you mentioned you like 20 quarterbacks this year quarterback in particular has really shot up the draft boards i believe in part because we saw just a a large gap between the top tier and even tier two where in the past mm-hmm. we've seen a lot closer results from tight end or from quarterback you know five through through quarterback number 18 or 15 and this last couple years last year i should say in particular that was a very large gap we had a lot of quarterback uncertainty as well in the beginning of the year which i also believe led to the rise in the draft adp under these in these uh quarterbacks what is your take on the price of quarterbacks this year and do you think that we'll see relief in terms of adp or do you think these prices are here to stay I think there'll be some relief, and I think the uh, more we get drafting, uh, I don't think quarterback's going to win your league, right? Uh, super flex, yes, it's going to win your league, but traditional standard, I don't think it's quite as important. Um, it's going to be more important to hit that probably top three wide receiver, you know, and you could pair two or three quarterbacks later, and they could break out, and then you have spike weeks on top of that. So I don't think one QB just because you have the top QB and you draft him Josh Allen in the second round, I don't think that's going to guarantee you, you a win at all. So I, I'm probably, I'm going to do some of those builds, but obviously I'm going to probably build different. Like last year, Trevor Lawrence was a big target for me. Justin Fields was a big target. Uh, Daniel Jones. Like, and those were all late guys. And, I usually take shots of about six, seven, eight of those guys. And I, I draft a lot of three QB teams and I'm hoping, you know, 
half of those guys break out and usually on my teams i'll have two of those guys in each team so uh i i'm probably gonna wait for the value on them uh and it it makes sense why they're all up up high um but i yeah i'm not gonna go chase it right now so, in your uh, single quarterback drafts i mean we just figured we just finished the big board mm-hmm. right who are some of your maybe top owned quarterbacks in that in that tournament uh yeah i should uh, yeah. let me come back to that yeah let, I'll, that was on the fly not on the show sheet. <laughs> no I'll, I'll pull up my ownership on it because uh, no that's a great question so i i i should know it top of my head right so i'm gonna look at my exposures here i've drafted 153 teams my so, based yeah, on what you said i'm gonna assume it's like rogers and maybe Tannehill and and um some late some some later values that could potentially outscore their adp yeah so okay i caught the bad bad side of the mac jones news so right <laughs> so he he's number one so he was like a 17th round pick all the time for me um yeah so so he was like a third qb uh so he's my top 33 percent kenny pickett like i'm really high on the steelers value this year i think Pickett. i know people hate him and that's why people hated uh daniel jones last year no one wanted to draft him and i just think pickett's like He's the guy I'm just going to take all the time as my QB2. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was third, Matthew Stafford four, CJ Stroud, Jordan Love, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like these names are gross, right? But I'm, <laughs> I'm usually a three QB look for value kind of draft drafter. So, like the top, yeah, the top guy hurts as my top guy, 8% of, of the elite guys. So I'm not drafting the elite QBs apparently. the beauty though about kenny pickett and i i agree with you i own quite a bit of kenny pickett as well is when we look at their expected pass play i mean it's it's up there i mean it's 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 above 600 attempts right and this is what we want from a quarterback and and we don't expect them to be you know extremely stout on defense which they're probably going to be playing from behind a lot in games and and or at least near it's not going to be you know a commanding large leads, I should say. And so this equates to good fantasy points from a quarterback position, and they're going to be throwing the ball more. And and he has weapons, right? He has Deontay Johnson still, who, in my opinion, is is bound to bounce back this year. He has George Pickens, who is just a contested catch monster and is going to continue to develop into a, an outstanding NFL wide receiver in his sophomore campaign. And then they have Pat Fryermuth inside as a, an outstanding tight end as well. So you have multiple, you know, skilled positions here that are able to catch the ball. Um, you add in Najee Harris, who is a very capable pass catching back, and they have the weapons to succeed at least from a, you know, from a picket standpoint. And so the offensive line, of course, is the concern, right? If they can get better here on the offensive line, but no, I agree with you. I think that that picket has been a sneaky play and, and definitely a value inside these drafts as well. Yeah. So to me, best well is a lot different than redraft where. A lot of people talking right now, um, they'll have player takes and they'll have like, yeah, Kenny Pickett's awful, you know. But for me, that's I love hearing those things because I for a best ball volume drafter, I know if I have 20 to 30 percent of Kenny Pickett, like I am okay with that because the value I'm getting him at later in drafts, he's not my QB one. He's usually my QB two or QB three. Um, And the way I look at that is these are all tournaments I'm drafting uh, second half of the year. You know, once he, he was only a rookie last year and the Steelers, maybe it takes them half a year coming into this year to kind of get on the same page. And 
I could see them being like a 500 team where they're fighting for playoff and he's going to play all those games. Uh, and I just think all those Steelers are undervalued. Uh, they're my highest owned team. Uh, I'm not even like a huge Steelers fan, but I just can't. Every time I'm on the clock, it just feels like there's a Steelers on the board for me. So we're turning this into a Steelers podcast yeah. now. <laughs> I've um, Deontay Johnson. I'm a lot higher on versus consensus in my rankings and projections. I mean, we take a look at, he had just the most unlucky year from a touchdown perspective. And if he had just had four touchdowns, measly four, right? I think he'd still be being going as a top 24 wide receiver where most places have him outside the top 30. And I, I definitely think the amount of targets that he commands inside this offense, he's going to continue to command those targets and is due for some positive touchdown regression. So I agree. I think the Steelers are undervalued. I think all around um, we can we can look for a bounce back campaign. Uh, we're going to take a quick moment and listen to uh, one of our sponsors. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now in the offseason, I get into baseball, I get into basketball, and my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy because Rival Fantasy has challenges where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together, pick one. Point guards, pick one. Spoiler alert, you should pick Damian Lillard. <laughs> Or they have the fantasy book where you could pick over, under, over, under, over, under and up to five guys. And then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under across the board. Get your fantasy bingo card set. Submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is with promo code PLAYER. They refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is player on rivalfantasy.com. Go have some fun. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. That's right. Get out there and have some fun playing Rival. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun platform. Um, you know what else is fun? Is sitting here talking and debating more roster construction. We talked about it earlier. This is a huge part of best ball because I believe that quarter of the room typically eliminates themselves in the draft based upon poor roster construction. What do I mean by poor roster construction? You'll see teams that go out there and go five quarterbacks, two or three running backs at times, and they, they just seem like they're lost inside the draft room. What is your ideal construction from a positional standpoint? Are you a three, six, eight, three guy? Are you a four, six, eight, two guy? Which way do you like to go? How many, how many quarterbacks do you typically like to take? in a best ball, non superflex. How many running backs do you typically like to take? How many wide receivers do you like to take? And how many tight ends do you like to take? I know you're a volume drafter, so I know you're going to say it varies and you're going to get <laughs> all over the place. But if you were only doing 10 of these, which way do you lean? Uh, so are you saying 20 rounds or 18 rounds? Let's do 20. Did I count 18 or what I count? No, I think you did 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was uh, off the top of my head. I was just spewing uh, numbers. No. So, 
And we're talking tournaments here, right? We're not talking any cash games or anything like that, right? Absolutely, just, tournaments. Yes, it's always tournaments, right? We're just you're going teams. for two million dollars. Yeah, we're ten just teams. How are you money. building it? If I'm in the tournament, I yeah, probably. You know, I was going to say it depends, but I would say eighty percent. <laughs> um, eighty percent. I'm probably doing probably three, six, eight, three. Okay, oh. and why? Yeah. I want to hear the why. I think it sets you up for some some nice combos. If you only are going in there with two QBs, uh, you're kind of limited. One of those guys gets hurt. Uh, they have a bad game, whatnot. And and usually, if you're going through QBs, you're usually trying to stack them, so you have a one in three chance of 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 that team going off that week. So that's I kind of like that angle of it. I like it's a little bit safe safe. Uh, you never really want to be safe in these tournaments, but it kind of is a safe safety. Um, I think it's a value thing too, where if I'm good, no, I'm going three and I know I'm going three tight ends. I don't have to push those positions. Uh, I feel, I know we talk about, you want a balanced roster uh, when you're drafting best ball like that, that comes up a lot, but I also think you have to sacrifice at some positions. Um, and for me, it's always the onesie positions. And I always feel like later in drafts, I can get a better tight end or QB later. So, so those ones like I'll wait on and I'm not afraid to get a, a third one on both of them. Uh, and then that sets you up for, you know, pretty balanced at running back six, whatever you want to do. If you want to go early at it, or if you want to, you know, just zero running back strategy there. Uh, eight wide receivers, I think is more than enough. Like, I know there's a couple of years where everyone was wanting 10, 11 wide receivers, and they were the guys that were going to get you the spike weeks. Uh, but if you if you get three top wide receivers, wide receiver doesn't get quite as injured as much either. Um, so I think you're kind of you're kind of okay. So that I don't know if any of that makes sense, but that's kind of how. That's kind of my approach, just just top of my head. But obviously, every draft you go in, the draft board's going to shift, and things are you're going to have to adapt as you go. And that's that's kind of the beauty of it. There's no there's no set way to do it. Okay, now curveball. Eighteen rounds. How how are you adjusting? Eighteen, kind of similar. Where I'm going to go if I go QB early, I'm going to stick with two. Um, if I wait at QB, probably to like round ten, I'm probably going three. Um, same with tight end. Like if I'm getting a tight end in the top ten rounds, I'm probably only going to get one more and go with two and three QBs. Um, so what's that? It's five. So then I'll go with uh, we well, got thirteen left. So I'll probably go six running backs and seven receivers. So okay. do two, six, seven, three, or three, six, seven, two. Now, do you think it is wise, or I guess which way do you lean? If you're skinny at quarterback, do you feel the need to go three tight ends? Or do you, if you're skinny at tight end, do you feel the need to go three quarterbacks? Are you comfortable going skinny at both and loading up at running back and receiver? Or is it completely dependent upon who you are selecting at those two positions? I think if you invest draft capital in QB and tight end, um, I think you can go two of each and that's fine. Um, And then you just kind of fill out what we'd probably go what six and eight six running backs eight eight receivers um and then two at each of the other ones so i think that's kind of a standard build too a lot of people do it's not my preferred really 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of people saw last year and I think a lot of the data that came out actually was uh, more balanced teams were better. Like they made the finals as, and the years before it was like, Hey, three, four running backs, that's all you need to draft. And then, cause you're only going for that top prize. And if you get one, one in there in the finals, like you're golden. Cause then you have 10, 11, 12 receivers, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. And I think every year is a little different. So I don't know what the correct way is. I think I would do a little bit of both. Um, let's let's talk about ceiling and floor. So you, you mentioned yeah. floor earlier. You mentioned the ceiling earlier as well. Are you drafting 100% for ceiling? Do you consider the floor when you're drafting? Or are you just only shooting for the top prize, the $2 million? Or are you mixing in builds here that are typically safer than maybe your your, your moonshots? I'm trying to not play it safe and the the way I've kind of accustomed and built that out myself is I think last year I did a lot better at it. Uh, the year before I just like broke even year last year was a lot better for me and it was, uh, you know what? I'm not going to draft any old guys. Like I, tr- I tr- almost treat my just you. Yeah, no, I almost, <laughs> I almost treat uh, my best while drafts now just as like a dynasty draft startup. Uh, to be honest, because I think it's an easy way to do it where these their tournaments and the later rounds and the playoff rounds. So even these younger guys, they're going to have more opportunity later in the season. That's where you're going to get your breakouts. And those are the ceiling players. Like last year, I remember like everyone was on like Julio Jones, what a value, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's like, I don't care if I got him in the 18th round, I do not want him. (laughs) And then he went up to like the eighth round or whatever, because he had Tom Brady's like, I don't want those kind of players. So any player that's, I I hate to say the age thing. Uh, Also like injury, if you're coming off an injury, like I am not going to draft you unless you fall like two rounds. Um, Just, just a lot of things like that I've learned. Um, But definitely. What's what's your age limit? Where, Where do you cut the cap? Like your senior discount? What's that line? For, well, just chasing ceiling, like we said, right? So I want players, I want players in year two to five. Like okay. if I could build a whole team, a, be- a whole basketball team with just those that age group. And I'm talking mainly running back and wide receiver quarterback, obviously different uh, tight end too. like tight end to me does not matter. Like I don't I'm, I'm a zero tight end guy, but I do not care about tight end at all. Like I will draft a whole team and draft my last three picks tight ends. I could care less. Man, now I want to go out and build this like du- this dusty team just to do it. I want to go out and build like everybody over thirty and see if see see how far. We go. Let's try to think of every player we can, like round one through round eighteen. That that's going to be dusty, you know, and to see if we can build this like senior citizen roster and see how far we can take it. That'd be, that'd I'm going cool. to challenge accepted. I'll do that and I'll <laughs> screenshot it over to you. <laughs> but, so round one, was it Devonte Adams? Is he's the oldest one around? Round- Kelsey, Kelsey would be right. Yeah, You're probably on Kelsey. Yep. <laughs> Let's go around two. Who's the oldest in round two. Is it um, uh, trying no. to think off the top of my head, man, I this is tough actually without having the ages in front of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I want to do it. I'm going to do it too. We should uh, do it. Let's, let's each build a dusty team. <laughs> uh, look at the, yeah. Now I don't want to look at ADP, right? To see where we're at. But yeah, for like round two, I don't know who you're, you'd be in on. 
Uh, oh man, it's probably a running back. Derrick Henry, maybe. Yeah, was, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and then round three is probably another. Oh, you could probably yeah, it's either Henry or you could probably go a receiver. There's some older receivers going too. Oh man, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna I, this this is gonna be a new. I'm gonna I'm 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 definitely gonna do this. Um, all right. <laughs> if you finish like higher and <laughs> if you can finish higher higher than fifth in your league, like I'd be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna track it. I'm definitely gonna do it. Um. All right, so we talked earlier about correlation. Are you a stacker or are you not a stacker, just in general? Uh, I've I've grown into it a little bit. I have okay. never really been all stack or die kind of guy, so I haven't been on the clock. And hey, who's my quarterback? Who's my receiver? Where are the other where Where are the other pieces right now? Like, let me put them in my queue. You know, like I that hasn't been me, um, but that's part of my game that I want to get a little bit better at. Uh, I don't think, obviously, it probably helps your percentage a little bit. But when I'm drafting just hundreds or thousands of teams, to me, that that doesn't matter quite as much. Uh, it's definitely more about the volume and the different combos that I can get. Um, but my number one thing's always about value, like where I can get guys and build my por- portfolio that way. So I'm always looking for value. But stacking, yes, I'm gonna. I got a little bit better at it last year. Um, I was kind of more like, hey, week 17, I stayed away from that. It's like, I'm going to do the stacking instead uh, and get better at that. And that's going to be my week 17. Like, if it's a Texan stack, whatever, I don't care. We don't have the schedule yet, but when we do have the schedule and it comes out, how close attention do you pay to bye weeks? I've been playing best ball probably six, seven years, and that was probably the first, you know, two to three years me doing it. I always needed that schedule, and it's something that was very important to me then. I've grown that it's not as important anymore, but um, obviously the onesie positions or your star players, like I don't want three of those guys on the same bye week, so um, that's going to be, if I'm on the clock, that's going to be an easy decision. Hey, I'm going to take this guy instead. You know, that that that's going to help my decisions. But I, I think it's important. I think one thing that's missed a lot in best ball is, you know, people, I talked about injuries. Like, I don't like to draft injured players. I don't like to draft older players because I think they, they're kind of in line to get injured or cut or, you know, their career's over just like that. So I don't. I, I taught myself to never try to take a zero in best ball. Like I never want to take a zero and I don't know if that's a dumb way to do it or, but I just, I want to look at every week, all 17 weeks and I never want to have a zero at any position. And I think that just sets you up. And I think even week one, like I want to draft a team where I have 18 players. I want 18 players on week one, you know, and that sets me up for week weeks uh 17 to to actually have a chance where maybe out of the out of those 18 players maybe i have you know 12 13 14 live players still like still walking <laughs> so that's always how i looked at it if, if i started draft and i you know i draft joe mixon and i draft alvin Kamara and i i draft all these guys with question marks um like it hurts your value. Like it hurts your team right from the start. And obviously, okay. Yeah. Playoff weeks, these guys could hit huge and you're getting a value on them. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's a long season and yeah, I'd rather just take 
more upside shots and even if it's even if it's like not not so such a high ceiling on players so okay how about handcuffing do you typically like to lean towards handcuffing in best ball are you against it i know in season long it's a lot different people like to take a handcuff but what Mm -hmm. is your thought process with best ball so I handcuffed, are you talking both take like both backs? Both yeah, back so like last team. year would have been like Hunt and Chubb, right? Or yeah. do you stray away from it? Do you lean into it? What's your what's your your opinion on this one? Yeah, it's always it's always one that people say this is the first real best ball or first real fantasy football, right? Don't don't take both backs, you know, you're limiting yourself. Um, I honestly think it's okay. Like I've took teams where I took six running backs and I've took, you know, two three pairs of two running backs from from opposite from the same team like last year you could take singletary and james cook and then you know like every every team you could do you could do a swift and jamal williams and like it's it's a good fine strategy i obviously you're not going to reach at it and it's usually going to happen if they kind of fall to you um kind of how the how your build goes but i think it's an underrated strategy to be honest uh I think it's it's going to allow you to like what the good one last year was Penny and Kenneth Walker. You take both those guys, and I think they were ninth, like eighth to ten round rounds, right? Both of them. So really, if we only knew one of them was going to be the running back, like this year, Kenneth Walker, what is he a third round pick, second round pick, second round pick? Because there's no other running back there, but you put Penny back on that team, and then they're going to kind of split. So. One of those guys goes down and you have a top top five running back just like that. So I think it's and Penny was good at the start of the year, so he gave you a few few good weeks as well. So things like that, but I don't think you should take a running back in the first maybe three rounds and then get his handcuff in like round ten or twelve, you know. Um, but if you're taking two running backs and they're both after uh round six or seven, I think it's a great strategy. Okay. I think like uh, what what's the one? I think the Bears is a fun one this year. Like yep. Herbert and Foreman, like yep. that's that's definitely one people should be taking. I think the Lions, like Montgomery and Swift, like that's too cheap. Like the, those are fun ones, um, and they're younger teams and they're teams that kind of might break out. So that that's what I'm looking for. Also, like I want good teams and teams that could break out. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's an underrated strategy. I think. Not the numbers aren't going to show that's a good strategy, but I think I think it's going to help you along the way. Okay. In addition to player projections, how much do you weigh contingent value? And so, what do I mean by contingent value? So let's just say that um, player X. Let's let's use player X as as uh, Madison. Let's talk about Madison. So you want Alex Madison. The cost is compromised between a standalone projection, right? Because we know that he's as of today, not the lead running back Uh inside of this Minnesota Vikings offense. However, his projection would change if Dalvin Cook were to be injured or cut, released, traded, you name it. How much do you weigh contingent value when you're doing best ball drafts? Uh, I I think you have to. I think you want to take those chances. You want to get ahead of the curve. Um, And as a volume drafter, I want to find those edges. and then say after the draft, say, yeah, the Vikings, maybe they trade Cook or cut Cook or they draft another running back. So then then Madison's value is going to change completely 
and maybe it's up or maybe it's down. Like, I don't think it's going to go down. Like, he's still going to be a value, especially in best ball. Like, he's going to help your team no matter what. He, he's not too expensive right now. So he's definitely a guy you would want as you're running back four or five uh, on your team. Uh, he, he's definitely going to be a guy that I target and I have been targeting. Even, at, even if his price goes up two more rounds, I'm okay with it before I know exactly what the news is in Minnesota on their backfield. So I think it's a great, it's a great way to get ahead of the curve. Uh, I think also like free agency and the rookies, like the free agents and rookies, those are what you kind of want to do the same with, right? You want to predict, you predict depth, depth charts and things like that. So it's definitely a smart, uh, it's definitely going to get you ahead. It's going to find you some values but you're going to land on a bunch of landmines as well. Like you're going to miss on some and that's okay. It's as long as you're taking a player that's going to play, even if they're second on the depth chart, it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad deal. So I've asked a lot of questions today. Is there anything that you would like to share just in general of strategy for best ball that I missed that you would like to share? Uh, Yeah. Do we go over all the questions? Huh? We did. Yeah. Just, like, just like that. Whip through them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I just see the state of the best ball. It's, it's, it's growing. Uh, it's fun. It, it's, there's a lot of content out there right now. And we're just right after the Super Bowl, you know, people, it's given guys stuff to talk about now. So we, we, we can draft teams and we can try to predict. We can, you know, just have fun with it. And there's a ton of money uh, up top on these. What? The super flex right now was a hundred thousand first, or is it two hundred thousand? Yeah. yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know it's a, I know it's a decent amount. Yeah, a hundred thousand. So, yeah, it's it's hard not to play that for ten bucks, right? Even, exactly. Even in the middle of April, so <laughs> it, it it's kind of fun. And who knows after the NFL draft, what what underdogs going to release? Uh, what other sites are going to release out there? So, uh, apparently, people have unlimited money and just want to. <laughs> keep entering these contests <laughs> well james always a pleasure to talk with you i appreciate you coming on the show why don't you tell the listeners where to find you and what you're listening on or what you're working on yeah i'm uh, i'm at football guys uh doing best ball content there so we just released the best ball guide just just this past week so we're really excited about that uh if you're a beginner i mean first 20 pages it's gonna really kind of outline what you have to do um and then there's a lot of strategy pieces in there that i put uh, i wrote a bunch of those like i don't think there's any any exact way to draft a best ball team so i think that's the beauty of it and and that's what that's what i'd encourage others to to kind of feel that for themselves and to get an understanding of that so yeah i'd check that out it's free i think it costs you an email address um <laughs> if you want to check that out i think it has a link to our rankings and I like a CSV also. So if you want to just click on that and load in your rankings uh, on the underdog, you can do that. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, just on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. So I'm always open. Like if you have a best ball question, you can DM me or just send me a message on there. I usually try to always, always talk, engage and talk back there. Uh, I love to learn from, from everyone else out there. I listen to all these best ball podcasts. I, I love the live streams. Uh, I I'm just still trying to learn. I'm just trying to grow. I'm trying to be a better player. I'm trying to look at new strategies. Uh, 
you know, and I'm just, just kind of enjoying it and, and, you know, making friends as we, as we do it. Right. So yeah, that's, yeah. If you need anything. Yeah. Just check me out on Twitter. So now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on blue Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Well, everybody, uh, you can follow him at Twitter, at James Brimacombe. That is B-R-I-M-A-C-O-M-B-E for the audio listeners. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and 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 sharing your insights uh, on best ball. Uh, again, you can find him in the best ball streets. He is Eagles. Uh, I'm sure you'll see him. Uh, there's not many draft rooms that you can enter that he is not in. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back next week with the Podfather himself on the Dominator, and I'll be back recording on Wednesday, Man vs. Machine with Dario with our projection debate, and then next Thursday in First Class Fantasy with Theo Griminger. Uh, and Jared Smola from Draft Shark. So thanks for tuning in. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week.